0: Thank you. Hey everyone and welcome to with xo i'm jorge olivares or xo because x-o-r-j-e-o-l-i-v-a-r-e-s those are the letters of my name very excited to share those initials and letters with you today and i'm excited to also share this conversation with somebody who holds a very special place in my heart um as i tried to remind you right now because i uh, didn't know if she would remember but thankfully she did so about a couple of years ago uh, it was about february 2021 Uh, I was hosting my show, Affirmative Reaction, at SiriusXM, where some of you might remember that I was doing a show there for a few years. And since it was Black History Month, I wanted to use the opportunity of having a show to provide the show, to provide the platform that I had, to Black creatives who I was very much a fan of and very much wanted my listeners to get a chance to learn a bit more from. And one of the first people I had a chance to reach out to was Ashley Ray. Now, Ashley hosts a show called TV, I Say, with Ashley Ray. Ashley is a pop culture expert and somebody who probably watches just as much TV, if not more than I do. And so I was very excited to not only share my show with her then, but to welcome her onto the show today to talk about all things that are happening on TV. The fact that she's had a chance to interview so many different creatives herself as part of her show, which is now in its second season and so excited. To welcome Ashley to with XO. Ashley, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you. Of course, I remembered. I was so excited to do this. Like, I that was so special because it was when my podcast was still independent, I was doing it myself. I was just paying some company in Canada to like edit the episodes for me. <laughs> uh, and as one does. As one does, you know. And you helped me out so much that, that that was so great. So
0: oh thank you. I the thing that I'm most excited to talk about with you today is the fact that there has been quite a bit of a journey for you over the past two years since we last communicated. And one of it is the fact that you were just on tour. You've just been going all over the place um with your with your comedy, with the show. And so I wanted to ask now that we've had this these two years in between us, um, how am I? How am I meeting you today? How would you say you you are sitting with yourself as a creative, as a professional, as a podcaster, as a comedian? Where where are we
1: today? Ah, uh, it, it's very different. Uh, I like I said, I was just kind of grinding alone in my bedroom for most of quarantine. And now I have my my podcast is is on Earwolf. I have this like huge team that I work with and like an actual producer. And uh, I am working on an album. I just did a little tour in the Midwest and stuff. And uh, I yeah, I just feel like I've it been really just working with people and collaborating again, which feels really good after all of the time of feeling so okay, this is independent, this is me, you know, doing this. Uh, and having a podcast about TV, that's great because TV is, I think, just a collaborative thing, like watching it, making it, it's better to talk to people. And yeah, I think the biggest change, like the first season, there's one episode where for maybe 20 minutes, I talk about the difference between Hoarders and Hoarding Buried Alive. Two different shows, often confused <laughs> for one show. And for 20, I just go on. And that was the first time a friend of mine texted me and was like, Ashley, yeah, I love the pot, but I didn't care. <laughs> and then like with a, pro- a producer is like, so what if we just do like three minutes of that? And then the rest of it is stuff people want to talk about actually. And that's the stuff that I, I, I think is really great. So yeah, that's where I I'm at now. I think the thing
0: that's, that's most helpful about the collaborative process is because of things like that, right? Like we get so excited if it's about um, TV, if it's about anything pop culture, if it's anything that we we love so dearly. That we know we could talk about it for a very long time, and that we know that there's yeah. probably somebody else who could appreciate that conversation. Um, and so I, I want to talk about that first part about recognizing that TV was that thing that you knew that you wanted to spend 20 minutes talking about two distinct shows, or 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour talking to other folks, or even just talking to yourself about some of the really cool TV offerings that are out there.
1: Yeah, I'm, I uh, started my writing career I, my, I don't know, my professional freelance career i guess uh as a tv critic so i loved writing about tv shows the just patterns you see tv reflect over decades uh in college my <laughs> i uh, did a independent research project on like the history of black television so i <laughs> Which like, I had one professor who was like, "Yeah, I got a bunch of old episodes of like rock on VHS. I don't know you want to watch it? <laughs> yeah. We would like He's watch like, I can scandal help you on your journey, believe me, yeah, she was an amazing professor. It was just like, I, somebody needs these episodes of living single, I say for some reason. Uh, and I wrote this whole paper on it, and I just realized like, oh, I want to write about pop culture and do it. And eventually I started freelancing at the AV Club and like writing about scandal, blackish. And I don't know, I think, as a TV critic, I there's kind of a, I mean you have to have a certain like harshness or not harshness, no, uh, just a um, an
0: ability to not care what others are going to say yeah, once you I, yeah. put your perspective out there.
1: <laughs> it's yeah, it's a bluntness, and uh, I also think like respect. Uh, I think any good criticism comes with, you know, a dose of like respect for the craft or the art or what is happening or what, you know, the, the message could be or what audience something is trying to get, you know, like not everything is going to be for me. And sometimes I can respect a work that isn't for me. But yeah, so yeah, you, know, you have to kind of develop that sense as a critic and find that line for yourself. And I had found it for me, like, you know, and I, I think I had a really distinct voice as a critic. And it's again just it for me i wanted to more celebrate tv and the art and the collaboration of tv versus being a critic where you're kind of critic well d- criticizing but it's just it, it's kind of a different reflection i think and as i became more of a creative so like i a few years into writing i started doing stand-up uh and being on the other side of it it's even more different where it's like i'm a creative i want to talk to other creatives about like this process what inspires us uh so i stopped kind of doing criticism but i still needed an outlet to talk about tv in a positive way and you know stepping away from like a critical lens you know, it's, it's like, does that, we don't need to talk about everything in terms of, you know, is this a think piece? Can I write a thousand words about this? I just want to sit down with, you know, Jacob Anderson and be like, Oh my gosh, you like community too. What's your favorite episode? (laughs) You know, they're like, what did you you just want to know
0: that somebody else loves the thing you love, you
1: love, or, you know, like, Oh, someone else felt the same way I did about the bear or Atlanta. And so it's, that's what I got to do with the podcast. And that's why I wanted to start it. And that so yeah, for me, it was like kind of this shift of realizing, okay, um, I'm not a critic anymore. I'm gonna take this kind of other side uh and and do something different and find a way to still express that love I have.
0: How difficult would you say it was, and I'll try very hard not to project too much, <laughs> but I feel like as as a person of color, as a queer person of color. It's very difficult to even broach that idea of being a critic, because you're so afraid that someone's going to attack you and diminish your perspective because of that lived experience that you bring to the table. Was that something that you had to navigate, or was that something that you just had to say, you know what, fuck it, we gotta just move on, do the thing. I mean, and and
1: (laughs) oh yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, like I started at the AV Club, and when I was at the AV Club, this was. To 2016 uh, when it was still kind of known as like this predominantly white male indie like you know we're the harsh male white dude cool critics who say what's all and what's cool Um, and then there weren't many black writers I think or just writers of color at that time probably in the history of maybe 10-15 of us total like in the freelance everything on staff maybe like one or two at that point people of color and so when i started writing immediately and they have they had such an active like community and comment board and obviously as someone who had been a fan of the av club i knew that like i knew i was jumping in with the sharks i was like these are the people who tear critics apart and spend all night making jokes on reddit or whatever (laughs) and when I started, there were immediately people who were like, oh, you know, she's just writing for the site because she's black. This diversity stuff, who cares about blackish and all these things, blah, da da But I think I, I you just learn to like tune that out. <laughs> like I, the AV, writing for the AV club taught me like, don't read, you don't need to read the comments. Don't read the comments. It's not worth it. It's not just, you know, who cares? Don't read the comments. Uh, so that that was a great lesson to kind of learn early on. Uh, that so many people just are going to bring their own baggage or whatever. Uh, and and also you kind of find the people who start to understand your voice and are excited and share the pieces and get what you're trying to say overall. And those conversations tend to be better. Uh, even if somebody calls you out for something on Twitter, that tends to be a better conversation than someone who is anonymous in a comment board. <laughs> like, uh.
0: I, I can imagine that, especially when it comes to pop culture tv criticism that you need that level of humor right if if you have people who are coming back to you every single week to hear what you have to say about scandal about the bear about white lotus um about you know game of thrones whatever it may be that there's there's a style of writing there's a style of approach that you have to assume right to to be able to make sure that you you catch their attention um is, would you say the writing helped you develop uh, the stand-up persona that you have, or how did they inform each other, um, being able to, yeah. to comment about this particular thing and then put that on stage?
1: Yeah, I I definitely think you need that sense of humor with, with pop culture and stuff. I, I I think that was another part of being a freelance writer and a critic. I just kind of got tired of approaching everything with like this sense of gravity and you know what you know what is going to be the most successful take or interesting take i just wanted to approach things in a okay these are my first thoughts this is how i feel about this um and i think just kind of Letting that go—that was the thing I had to let go of. Stand up it forces you to do that because stand up is just what did you experience today? What's happening in the news? How do you feel about it? Get on a stage, go to an open mic tonight, and just talk about it. Just you know, try a new joke, work some things out. Uh, and so, I think that kind of informed it because it it just kind of made me go, okay, how like am I thinking too much about this? <laughs> like just kind of step back, you know. And that was a good thing to turn off.
0: I and tell me if I'm wrong with this about so the the title of the podcast again is called TV I say with Ashley Ray. Yes. And I feel like yes I I love a good rhyming moment. Um but I also love that it, it kind of is a nod to your life as a critic because yeah. there's such a declarative like TV I say with Ashley Ray and I'm going to tell you what I feel about XYZ whether it's TV shows about actors um was that Am I
1: reading that's 100% what I was going for? <laughs> you're like one of the first people to pick up on it, actually. Like, thank you. Like, yeah. because I, again, I think when you're writing for publications, people see you as oh, you know, this is such a declarative statement. This is she's making laws of TV or something, <laughs> 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 you know. Like, when I'm writing laws something, of TV, yeah, I love the that. laws of television. Like, if I'm writing for Vulture and I'm like, this 90 days is the best, it, it people see it as this publication is saying and i didn't want to have that kind of approach like this is just what i say this is what just me ash this is what i'm just saying about tv it's just me i it cannot hurt you <laughs> you know it's, <laughs> like it, it's you'll it's be okay. safe regardless it's, sa- it's safe this is just what i say this is what you have to say you know it, it can be about any tv i respect all of it yeah, even the reality, all the TV, whatever. That's what I love to approach it as. It's just it's what we all want to say about it uh, versus, oh, let's discuss, like, did you read the Rolling Stone piece on The Wire being the best show in the world? How do you feel about that?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's always labeled number one. Have you watched always The Wire?
1: Number? Oh, my gosh. I've watched The Wire. I've watched The Wire probably eight times. I uh, Dang, love The Wire. Okay. I actually, my se- my senior year of college, I took a class on The Wire. We had an entire semester long course on the wire, which it was a really great class. Uh, It was basically an American history class where you studied like inner city and how it was accurately and inaccurately reflected in the show. And if, yeah, so
0: (laughs) if kind of, I'm going to follow this tangent. If you could take another class based on any other show, you've had a chance to watch, what would that class be that you would take? And then what would be the class that you would teach?
1: Ooh. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna start with teach because it's easier. I'm gonna Mad Men. Oh, I would teach Mad oh. Men. I would teach the shit out of a Mad Men class. Like, I'm sorry, I don't know if I can swear. I can oh, swear I would, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would teach the shit out of a Mad Men class. I wa- I love the show. I've watched it. I rewatch it every year. Uh, it's just so beautiful to me, and it's the reason I got into advertising. Like, obviously, wanting to write TV criticism after college, that didn't happen. Like, it's very hard to get those jobs. And people at my college were like, hey, do an advertising internship. I binge Mad Men one weekend and I'm like, yeah, this looks easy. I could do this. I could do this. I like immediately applied to something at Digitas. I got it that summer. After graduating, I just was like, yeah, I'm going to get advertising jobs. And so I ended up working at Ogilvy, which is the company Mad Men is based off of. And they at the time the show was so popular, they embraced it in the office. Like your first day, you got David Ogilvy's book, which like they reference in the show because it's like all these quotes from like a white man in the '60s. You read it, and it's it's him just being like, the perfect way to work is with a whiskey at 6 a.m. and then you don't leave your desk all night. It's like this is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they make you watch, like <laughs> yeah, like they make you watch this video that's like cuts of Mad Men with the founder on your and like people had bars in their offices but this is advertising is not really that cool like you they wanted to believe they were don draper but in reality their bar carts were like fireball and smirnoff ice
0: (laughs) you know like that's the modern people
1: yeah they were like these big 10 frat guys kind of who were just like yeah i'm basically don draper you know except like i don't own furniture in my house (laughs) like
0: I don't own furniture in my house. I don't have a sunken living room and I don't have a wife who's singing. Zoo."
1: It's yeah. Like imagine if you watched love is blind the last season, imagine Cole from love is blind, believing he is Don Draper. Like that was the era of like 2015 that (laughs) like when mad men was kind of coming to its close. Uh, Yeah. 2015. Yeah. Uh, So that's the one I would teach because, Oh, I know the ins and the outs of that one. And the one I would take. Oh, that is such a good question. That is really, really hard. Uh, uh, Okay. Okay. Okay.
0: It could even be about a genre of TV. It could be about uh, a classic new
1: one. You know, I feel like I, I would want to take a course on like modern documentary like there's all these weird little documentaries being made right now. I just watched one on Netflix about some guy who tried to sue Pepsi. There was a documentary about Barney. And I just want to understand how these decisions are getting made. <laughs>
0: <laughs> who's the executive in the room who's like the Barney one. Yeah. And they're all, like that one.
1: And they're all a million episodes. Like this isn't just like an hour or like an episode. It's They're like here are four hour long episodes about a guy who sued Pepsi. And they're really just like. So let's start at his birth. And it's like, we don't need to start there. I don't need to. We don't need We don't have to start there. We don't need that.
0: I don't need to go all the way to Poughkeepsie to find out about this Pepsi,
1: dude. Okay. Yeah. Let's just get to. And so he sued Pepsi. Let's go there. Come on.
0: I I find it so fascinating that I think from we're of the same generation. We grew up when there was like five TV channels, maybe 10. And now we have all the offerings, right? You've got the whatever pluses, you've got the Netflix, the Hulu's, the Paramount's, the the like. How how are you getting a chance to watch all the things? And how do you <laughs> do you do you do you, afford, do you allow yourself the chance to just say, you know what, I don't have the time for that one. Or, I don't have the time for that one.
1: I do i have gotten more selective in old age i have uh calendars that i kind of use i have like a schedule of like okay this comes out today today like i have thursday tv i watch so i do keep up like daily with new things and then weekends i usually save uh to like binge things if there were like um this weekend i'm gonna do dead like me or not dead like me dead to me uh, mm-hmm, on netflix me. yeah dead to me dead like me is really good too uh <laughs> i love an annual rewatch like that, of that there's show. so many different just. shows that
0: are even just like a word oh away yeah from like each dead.
1: dead it, it's so confusing but dead to me uh the final season is out i'm gonna binge that one and so i kind of schedule it that way but in my old age i've gotten more selective i think before i would stick with any show like uh Groanish on freeform i watched that for so long and i don't know why I just couldn't give it up. I still watch Grey's Anatomy, but that one—I've been watching that show since like 2005. <laughs> that's
0: what—that's the one where you're like, you know what? I've already invested too much of my time my, and yeah, energy. I'm not Meredith walking Grey's away. Meredith Grey's a godmother at this point. She, just she's, just like she's like <laughs> family.
1: She's like family. I—I have known Meredith Grey longer than some friends in my life. I cannot walk away from that woman. I mean, she's walking away from us. She's leaving the show, um, but. I can respect her choice, and I'm sure she'll be back to visit. But that—that's a whole other topic. But, it's, uh, but yeah, I—I I don't know. I now I, I'm—I try not to watch things that like everyone is already talking about because I—if something's a big conversation, it's like you don't need me telling you to watch like Severance, right? Like everybody's talking about Severance. It's so good everybody's talking about secession i mean i'm gonna talk about both of them still but you know i'm not gonna focus a lot of time or try to binge those so i can like be up to date i like to take my time and enjoy those shows how i want to because you got enough places to talk about those shows you know i'm the girl who's gonna be up to date on the goldbergs for you i'm gonna tell you what's happening on on the latest episode of like home economics I'm going to tell you about like Blockbuster and the Gordita Chronicles and these cool shows that you like probably didn't really hear about or kind of did and weren't sure if you should check it out. That's kind of what I prefer to do. Like I will just I sit with an app. I, I rotate a lot of free trials <laughs> and secret emails like they, they can't find me out. But <laughs> like I'll be like, OK, I got another two free weeks on Peacock. What do they have here that I haven't seen that just looks kind of interesting or has a good cast? Uh, That's how I found the show Shrink, which is a great comedy uh, based in Chicago. Uh, Killing it, you know, and and Rutherford Falls. People don't get the chance to just, like, sit with streaming apps the way we used to do with cable channels. I You know, like, I remember sitting and being like, oh, Comedy Central, like, oh, they play SNL reruns at this time. And then at this point, like, it's, you know, stand up. And so I just try to do that to really find hidden gems uh, or just things I, I think could use more attention. So
0: only because you brought it up. Am I making a mistake by completely bailing on blockbuster?
1: That is such a, a um, I think it is a show with, with a lot of promise for future seasons. I, t- I think it takes a long time for an ensemble to find that energy, you know. Like Superstore had that that same issue, uh, and like that, I would say, you know, when you started hearing people say, "Oh, you got to check out Superstore; it's t- it's really found its voice; it's really found its energy," like in season two, three, you know, and then you jump in and you you enjoy it, uh, and then maybe you go back to that first season. So if that I feel, happens, I mean, that's with how I was with
0: Rick and Parks yeah. and Rec was probably my is one exactly. of my favorite TV shows ever. And that first season was a little off. Same thing with Shits Creek. Like, yeah, Shits think-
1: Creek. Uh, I think people forget like Parks and Rec. The day it came out, actually, like oh, two weeks before it was supposed to premiere. Uh, one of the internal notes got leaked to the press and it was tearing the show apart. It was just like, this is horrible. It's like nobody's gonna like Leslie. This is awful. And it was so bad that it forced them to do all these reshoots and like reapproach things. Uh, and then, you know, it went on to become the parks and record. We love, so there's so much talent on the cast. There's so much talent behind the scenes. Uh, you know, when, when I think when you're hearing that, you know, that, that it's found its voice. It will.
0: I feel like the, the reason I specifically single that one out and I can honestly single out 25 other different shows is because I think at this particular moment, we just have lost our patience right as as consumers as viewers when we know that there are a gazillion different episodes of tv to watch or to revisit like like we talk about mad men parks and rec like when there's something else that could be a quote-unquote better use of my time sometimes you don't allow these shows to grow in the ways that they need to and I, that's probably incredibly unfortunate for, yeah. for these creators and, and all these people who There's, are trying to yeah. really get these shows off the ground.
1: There's so many just like wonderful shows that just have one season because they don't want to give it a chance. Uh, I really loved Maggie on Hulu. I thought it was a really just sweet show. It was kind of just bringing back fun rom-com type shows that are a little silly but more high quality it kind of had like an unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt feel to it but not as Tina Fey inspired uh it it was which
0: is a very distinct uh, yeah which is like I feel like
1: saying that was you know you you can picture it almost uh, and it did I got great reviews people liked it and it just didn't get reviewed it be- renewed because it, it's just one of the many many shows that are out there just every week there's something so my goal at, at TV I say is to help you sort through it is to say you know what do you do you, I because I, I again I don't think you need to always base what you watch on the critical acclaim sure I'm gonna watch the crown everybody's telling me to watch it I'm gonna save it for Thanksgiving Day when I'm like drinking all day and don't really care. But, you know, what about the moments when I want to watch something scary or I want to just get high and watch something that's romantic and is going to make me laugh? That's the things I like to help people kind of sort through and find.
0: So for for those who haven't had a chance to listen to either TV, I say as a series or the past few episodes, what are some of those uh, TV series that you're you're calling attention to right now?
1: Ooh, yeah, there's there's a lot. Uh. I feel like we're just, again, in this big, big time of so much TV. Uh, Reservation Dogs is has been the, the one I am fantastic. I need it to sweep the Emmys. It's the one that I just am I'm like, come on, people. Let's get it together. <laughs> uh, Inside Job on Netflix. It's an adult animated comedy. Uh, I think the current season of Rick and Morty is getting so much attention, but Inside Job, uh, a lot of the same writers. It's really smart it's about uh it's about basically this government department that actually does run conspiracies it's really funny if you like an adult animated show uh i i think i already said gordita chronicles but i am re-watching it for the holidays because it was just such a wonderful family comedy so good Uh, And also Home Economics in that same kind of department. I think Home Economics, people kind of wrote it off as just another ABC family sitcom. But this next season, it's in season two right now, three? Uh, I should remember that. Uh, But this latest season, it's gotten into like a just darker vibe of, you know, secret love children. And it's going in a really interesting direction. So I love an ABC sitcom. Abbott Elementary already told you the network sitcom is back. It's good again. So d- dig into it with with yeah with that show, and then also American Auto. Uh, if you like Superstore, it's by the same creator. It just is again a wonderful ensemble comedy. Uh, Anna Gasteyer is the lead. Love seeing her. So,
0: what is the particular type of show that will always draw you in? Is it the comedy? Is it that like ABC? Mm-hmm. Is it, you know of the of what we used to grow up when it was ABC yeah, kind of sitcom like the, is it now the, the single camera
1: yeah and it, I've, at one point I would say it was like the NBC sitcom you know like if it, if something was coming up with Community, 30 Rock anything in that era I was watching it I didn't care if it only lasted six episodes eight episodes there's so many tiny little shows that I watched just because they came on after Community Uh anything like that and now I feel like that is the comedy you get on Peacock like they kind of moved all those weird comedies there. So anytime I see a comedian I'm excited about working with Peacock, I'm like, Oh, okay. Uh, so I'm excited for the next season of like killing it. Uh, Girls five ever, which now is on, ne- on Netflix. So sorry. And I lost out on that one. Um, yeah.
0: What is like, if you were drawn to drama, reality TV, I'm trying to think of like, competition there's so many different styles of tv now i feel yeah but it, the fixer upper shows right where it's like the feel good but it doesn't really fall into reality maybe question mark um what are the what are those other genres that you feel are are really enticing
1: uh okay i i think my my biggest weak spot is the, uh anything that's like sad reality which sounds awful i i my friends are always like can't you just watch beverly hills wives and i can't get into that stuff really like i'll follow some people for seasons but my biggest thing is oh let me just watch a hoarders like i love intervention and digital addiction is this new one that came out and it is truly people who are addicted to the internet i thought i had a problem. No, there's people who straight up are just like I wake up in the morning and then I spend 16 hours like just playing video games and looking at porn. It is wild. I recommend it. It made me feel a lot better about what I deal with. (laughs) But
0: as we check our phone, as as I
1: check my phone, but just anything like that, uh, seeking sister wives, which is like gross and weird and you hate everyone because they're just all like. You know, misogynists who want to turn women into their harem or something. But I can't stop watching it, even though it makes me angry. Every ninety day fiance spinoff, I, all of it, I will sit and watch every variation of that mess. I don't care what they want to spoon feed me. That's garbage. I will take it right in. That's my brand of reality TV. I like, I like the sad stuff where it's like, ah. Oh, oh no, this is a real person whose life is like real faces in real stakes.
0: <laughs> I feel like there's, I mean, the beauty of television, right? Where it can make us laugh, it can make us cry, it can make us think, it can make us angry, it can make us have yeah. all the, the spectrum of emotions that come with being a, a human. I, I say this as I just binged The Floor is Love on Netflix, which is a like wipeout-esque show where yeah. <laughs> you just watch people fall, fall. Um, yeah. which is weird. But I, I want to talk about what, what you think is this particular moment of television, right? There's there's so many more opportunities for people who look like you and me. There's so many different just voices that are out there that would never have been given a chance. Do, do you think that that's because of the moment we're at in television where there are so many things? I, I used to say this about New York, that there was so much to New York, that there's nothing to New York because you can't make that decision. There's that like what they call the Amazon paralysis, where you just can't make choices. Yeah. Do you think that that unfortunately makes it difficult for those diverse creators? Because there's so much that some people just don't know what to go for.
1: Yeah, I think we are at this interesting point where there was so much opportunity. There were so many different networks, streamers, platforms. You get a show on Tubi, Quibi, everything was like blowing up. And slowly we're seeing it scale back down. And during that like wave, so many, and this is a wave that started in like, you know, 2016, even with things like YouTube Red and stuff, um, like Facebook Watch, like all of that stuff is part of that wave where you saw uh early black creators getting funded. You know, like Quinda Brunson's earliest shows were on that, and now she's on ABC. So you see they were funding people who are very talented and very good, but then we're at this weird point where television is now owned by weird conglomerates and companies like Verizon and, you know, weird mergers of HBO and WB. And so you see all of this growth, all of this growth, all this diversity, a, a lot of it's successful. Some of it isn't able to get the funding or support it deserves for a million other reasons. I and mean, you look at, you. I mean, Peacock, which I have been singing praises for because I have to. Because they don't know how to promote themselves. <laughs> you know, Peacock does not promote their shows. You know, they have amazing comedy. And then you'll be like, hey, have you heard of We Are Lady Parts? And people are like, No, I've never seen an ad for that in my life. So there's all these reasons these shows aren't being success- successful but I think it's a weird point right now where we're seeing the scale back. Uh, uh, you know, budgets are being slashed kind of in all these industries, where, you know, because of these mergers, we're seeing a lot of shows get canceled. And it's a scary time where people are pointing to these cancellations and looking at like all the diversity that came before and saying, oh, it didn't work. See, that didn't work. And it's like, that's not what didn't work. Like, that's not what's happening here. That's not what's impacting. A lot of this did work. You know, a lot of this created amazing shit, like, you know, Atlanta, these are the things we got from this wave. And it's like a scary moment where the networks are scaling back they when that happens they tend to want to tell kind of really simple stories that are going to appeal to the most people and it's like a weird time where as even though there is so much opportunity and there was it's kind of like the industry's holding its breath like did it really work like did all those did all that diversity work uh i don't know i don't know let's see and i I don't know i think that's why we still haven't seen a show like uh, a league of their own on prime video it's still waiting to be renewed uh this fool on hulu uh which i love absolutely amazing just immediately was one of my favorite new sitcoms when i watched it i was like i could watch seasons of this it just felt so good and it took hulu forever to renew it that show was getting amazing reviews all over the place had like a great audience response and it took them forever to be like okay yeah you know what we will take this show back uh, and then you look at the shows that are getting those quick renewals and it tends to be shows with like the bear that was renewed almost right away. When you got a, you know, attractive looking white boy in in your lead, you know, that, that resonated with a lot of people pretty quickly. Uh, so, you know, that's kind of the weird place we're at right now where it's like this still we're still in this conflict of what could come next and people holding on to their old school notions of what most people want
0: you've you've had a really great chance to over the past two seasons of TV, I say with Ashley Ray, uh, which again, everyone can get a chance to listen to wherever they listen to this podcast and others. But you've had a chance to talk to some of these creatives, right? Some of these people who are involved in these projects, who are trying very hard to either get their vision across or to support somebody else, get their vision across. What has it been like to have these intimate conversations with people who you not only admire because of what they do in the field that they're in, but who might be closer aligned to you than to the average TV viewer that executives want them to appeal the most to?
1: Yeah, I I, I think that's the kind of cool part of my show is I talk to these brilliant showrunners. Like I I got to talk to the showrunner of *A League of Their Own*, uh, the showrunner of uh, *The Fosters*, which is one of the first TV shows to feature uh, an openly lesbian couple. Uh, And I I did a whole episode around that and we got to talk about the realities of how hard you have to fight still to get those stories across and how there's still so much fear of the heartland or certain areas not responding to those stories. And yeah, those are like big topics and they have far more radical opinions than the networks that they have to kind of negotiate with. But I also just kind of love starting every conversation with what TV shows did you watch when you were growing up? What did you watch this weekend when you were like eating some ice cream on the couch? You know, it's I think meeting people at sort of the reality of how they watch TV uh, versus just focusing on the the big topics. And I, I don't. I think when you start working in the business, you're like the biz, the job of it. You know, <laughs> like you want to remember the joy of why you do this, the joy of TV, what made you so happy and inspired by it. And so I like to start there and just talk to people about you know, the the stuff they really love that makes them happy, and I think that's where you, I I find a lot of connections with people that might be weird. That's how I find, like, Seth Rogen is also obsessed with 90 Day Fiance, so he came on and we talked about that, or you know, I'll find out, like, some other... Uh, Jerry, o, Jerry O'Connell from uh, Star Trek lore, he, he's obsessed with Below Deck, and I was just like, me too, and we talked about that for forever, so you know, I think when you kind of start there, it makes it easier to get into these bigger conversations of, you know, we we all understand how this industry is.
0: What has been a sort of aha moment that you've had when you've had conversations with some of these folks for your show?
1: Oh, I feel like I've had so many aha moments. I feel like every episode people are teaching me things. <laughs> I like to believe I'm taking that journey, that that the listener on that journey too. I I, I mean,
0: that's part of it, right? We are sometimes the the conduit for not only the conversation, but for all sorts of learning opportunities.
1: You know, yeah, I know a lot about TV and my sort of area of TV history that I've studied and, you know, that I've experienced. But I love when someone comes on and they're just like, oh, my gosh, Ashley, like you didn't know about, you know, this show alone where you're like naked in the woods and these people have to compete to win all this money and i'm just like no you're telling me about an entirely new thing that i had never so (laughs) like that's how i got a big brother that was one where i just it was so removed from my world and then i kind of learn about it so i love kind of just discovering new subsets of dead like fandoms i guess and uh i'm trying to think of like the biggest oh wow moment i feel like there's so many <laughs> and i feel like if you listen to the podcast you'll actively hear me being like oh my gosh i didn't know that like oh my god wow. you'll see it
0: happen in real time like, in real time oh, you'll be like, shit. oh wow
1: <laughs> <laughs> i think a lot of them is are about like the kind of realities of how uh some of the reality shows i like are made talking to people who actually produce them and seeing how it all gets cut together i've talked to a lot of the couples from 90 day fiance and seeing the kind of reflection of their relationship on the show versus how it is in reality that's always interesting um and yeah i think it is just great when people are, are just kind of more honest about like the shows they love or the things they're watching when someone's just like, you know what? Everybody is saying they love this show, but I just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> like that's always really fun to me.
0: <laughs> I, is there somebody we've had a chance? I mean, you, you've talked about how, how TV has been something that you've loved for quite some time. So if you were to reflect back on either a show that you grew up with or a show that it, that means so much to you, is there somebody who's tied to that particular show that you would give your left arm to interview on TV? I say.
1: Oh my gosh, uh, yeah! I Tracy Ellis Ross. That's I've loved her. Fantastic choice. I <laughs> <laughs> I loved her for so long in so many things. I I don't. I feel like growing up, she on girlfriends like she was. What I saw as the like epitome of a grown like black woman, I was like, oh, she's a lawyer, but and now I'm like her age in the show, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> I'm like, well, how did she afford that? Uh, that like, I'm the
0: same age as Chandler Ross and jo- oh, okay, cool, right? cool, cool. I'm cool, like, cool,
1: cool. oh, oh my gosh, no, that I'm not an adult like that. But and then into Blackish, which is one of the first shows I ever got to kind of professionally write about. Uh, and I did an early review of an episode that, like, focuses on Junior dating a white woman. It's called, like, Being B- uh, Beau Racial, and it's about her character being mixed. And I wrote a piece about it, and she shared it on Twitter and was like, Ashley, I want to thank you for these, like, beautiful words. Thank you for this nuanced and uh, respectful look into the show and the episode. And it was, like, one of the first times someone really you know famous like a big person had celebrated my work publicly and I was just like oh my god I still have like the screenshot of it and <sighs> so it
0: <you> should go <laughs>
1: <laughs> right and it was just one of those moments I remember when it happened I was like at a work event and I was getting out of my car and I was like what has happened here and I looked at my phone and was just like oh my gosh Tracy Ellis Ross liked what I wrote um so I I would just love to talk to her I think she's so funny I think she should have won so many Emmys for comedy acting. She has such an incredible physical sense of comedy, just a way of defining her voice and lines. And I hope that this industry comes to respect and see that. So,
0: so we're putting it out there. Yes. May Tracy, Tracy Ellis Ross please Tracy be the Ellis next Ross. guest on please. TV, I say. <laughs> so Ashley Ray, if you had to say right now, the show that... Everybody should binge over the holidays, Mm -hmm. the show that you think people should consider that maybe they not, maybe not even just binge, just like you haven't maybe considered the show. Maybe you should look at it. And then a show that you have personally decided that you may not be returning to for whatever reasons you might have.
1: Okay. Okay uh for the first one show that you might not, i'm or, I, I'm gonna start with a show you might not have thought of because i that one came to me first uh you probably haven't thought of watching five days at memorial it's on apple tv uh, a platform many people do not have uh but it is absolutely worth it they have been knocking out of the park with a few things so you get it so you can watch more than just ted lasso uh but five days at memorial looks at Uh, The uh, hospital in New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina and what the staff had to do in order to survive in the five days after the hurricane before they were evacuated. Uh, It is not holiday watching. Don't watch this to cheer up with your family. But, you know, that weird week in between like Christmas and New Year's where you're not really doing work and you can just like drink all day and you're like, I I don't know, I want to kind of learn something, but have an emotional journey. Watch it. It, it, do an episode a day binge it yeah you know, I just rewatched it with a friend I was on vacation and she started it and I was just like see it's really moving and does a great job telling an important story in American history in a really fair and balanced way and I think it'll make people angry and care about something and just kind of really understand how this country continues to fail us when it comes to health and disability support and yeah so Go check that one out. I thought more people would be talking about that show. There's amazing performances and it's clear Emmy uh, material and no one is talking about it. So I feel like it's some sort of conspiracy. They don't want people to know. So go watch it. Uh, The one that you should binge for a good time uh, over the holidays. (laughs) Welcome to Chippendales, uh, which just came out on Hulu today. Uh, It stars uh, Kumail Nanjiani, it's so funny and also dark. It's it, I don't I like it more than Pam and Tommy, but it also has that kind of same vibe of just sleazy vintage TV. I don't. It's kind of what I wanted from the new American Gigolo that I didn't really get from it. It just it was a it's a really entertaining vibe. So that one don't watch it with your parents, I guess. It's you know a little, but. <laughs> But that's one that
0: you have a better relationship with them.
1: Yeah, we might. I mean, I could probably watch it with my mom, but (laughs) But Friendsgiving, that's one that would be fun to throw on. And a show that I have given up on. Okay, I like I said, I was on vacation. I was in Colombia, and in Colombia, very hard to watch American TV like it was. I couldn't get a lot of live stuff or, you know just stuff that comes out on network, I can only get like a lot of streaming shows. So I fell out of watching SNL Saturday Night Live, I miss like three episodes. And I just kind of realized nobody catches up on three episodes of Saturday Night Live, not in this day and age. Not in this day and age. Like, it, no. I was like, I'm never, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and just go, go, oh, let me see what Jack Harlow did. That's not happening. <laughs> so, Especially
0: with the brand new, so many people left, a brand new so cast, ma- Yeah. And the, I don't I quite love, have attachments yet.
1: I love so many people on the new cast. There's so much talent. Uh, Molly Carney, Sarah Sherman, uh, Michael Longfellow, they are killing it. And when someone shares a wonderful skit that any of them did on Twitter, I am right there retweeting it, baby. But I think I'm going to stick to highlights on YouTube. And then maybe if like a really good guest comes back, I'll watch that episode. But sadly, I just fell out of step with it. And maybe next season, maybe next season, I'll get back in line.
0: See, so uh, in addition to Tracy Ellis Ross, we're going to ask that Lorne Michaels make its way to the the TV. I say uh, guest line, so that way, yeah, we can have a we can pick a little bone with with Lorne Michaels. Yeah, um, oh. so again, speaking Who of the show, have
1: a bone with Lorne. We all got after, after
0: forty plus years of of TV content. I think more than enough people have a bone, <laughs> bone to pick. Um, so, for folks who haven't had a chance to get uh, to listen to the show and who want to listen to more episodes, especially if they're going to be binging something over the holidays, how can people best find you and your show?
1: Yeah, uh, you can always anywhere on social media or my website, the Ashley Ray, theashleyray dot at the Ashley Ray everywhere, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, just you know subscribe. TV, I say. And the cool thing about the show is I am very spoiler free. I don't believe in spoilers. I try to talk about shows in a sort of larger context instead of being really plot specific. So you can revisit old episodes if you're like, oh, I just got around to watching hoarders versus hoarding buried alive. And I would love to hear the 20 minutes about that. You can go back and enjoy it. I'm not going to tell you, you know, whether or not they keep their house. So <laughs> or, you know, a show that matters like a nice. game of, uh, House of the something, <laughs> But you can go back and listen. And if there are spoilers, we will let you know. So, you know, catch up on a bunch of old TV. Go listen to what I had to say about Atlanta or, you know, go watch P Valley, another amazing show that does not get enough attention. Uh, I got to talk to uh, Uncle Clifford in the first season of the show. It's it's a wonderful combo. one of my favorite episodes. So, yeah. Nice.
0: So everybody, please be sure to check it out again, wherever you listen to podcasts, including this one. Um, but actually, I'm so glad that we could reunite after two years again, for those yeah. who remember the story I started us out with. Um, but I'm so excited to see how this is all turning out. And I definitely watch a lot of TV and I definitely have quite a bit to say. And so I'm glad that we could say it with and, each other today. Yeah.
1: And you're going to be coming on TV, I say, because <gasps> we got to talk. We got to talk deep TV.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: We're going to get into it.
0: <laughs> nice. Love it.